DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locks on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. How are you? Good. We're good. PK, PK, where were you during the L.A. riots? In Los Angeles. That's what I figured. That's why I asked. You were working for the Daily Breeze, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yes, you remember correctly. Yes, that very day, uh, Wednesday, uh, April 29th, 1992, I was assigned to do a baseball game. And I took a radio with me because I knew that the verdicts were coming out, and I had to travel through the areas that Reginald Denny had traveled through. And so as I was uh, covering the game, I had the radio so I could make sure that I stayed on the freeways uh, because I thought there might be trouble. And I got home, turned on the TV, and watched my city explode. Yeah, no, I was, I was, at, uh, I was just finishing uh, something on that, listening to Wesley Ruff. I was like the craziest story about it. Um, and I was just piecing that together for the 91-92 season thing I'm doing. And um, I was an intern at Prime Ticket in L.A., and my memories, the verdicts came out, and the president came over to loudspeaker and immediately announced, everyone go home, unless you have to be here to work on the 6 o'clock show tonight, go, please go home immediately. And I remember, so I was in Century City, so I was probably driving the 10 back to Occidental, which is Glendale, Pasadena area, if I'm right, so the 10 to the 130, 10 connecting through the freeway to the 134 to the 2. Um yeah, and I remember looking out to my right hand side and just smoke starting to billow up, and it was like. And then uh, I actually was interning at KMPC in LA down at the KTLA building, and I was in Hollywood. And I was silly enough that I actually went the next day. Like you're an intern, you don't want to ever like not show up, right? So I was like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> and I remember um, that's when they, what is it, Fredericks of Hollywood? They broke into, which was like a big deal because it was Fredericks of Hollywood. And I remember driving home that day. You did not stop at any red light. You just kept driving. It was pure anarchy. And uh, it's actually funny because I've always been like, taxes, sure, I'll pay taxes. Stop signs, red lights, green lights, all for these things. Willing to pay taxes for all these things, having lived one day in my life where, you know, pure government, an- it was pure, pure anarchy. And you Sorry, br- random thought. That's what I was working on all morning, and I thought of you during it, so I just thought I'd ask. You bring all this up because you've spent more than a day and more than a morning. It feels like you've been spending about a week breaking down the 91-92 jazz season and how pivotal you think that was in the history of the franchise. Yeah, so I kind of decided to do it. I don't know what I decided to do. Just kind of dig into a season. It's turned into a five-episode documentary. It's turned into like eight hours of work every day. Um, No one's listening to it either, so it's total bummer. But it's all right. It was probably good for me for my mental health. Um, But I just thought it's for me personally. It was it's an interesting year because it was the last year I was a fan. I started working the next year covering the team and been in the business ever since. So it's the last time I was ninety one ninety two was the last time I was not covering the league. and I was a huge jazz fan, and I remember I remember the year well, but I was also in college in L.A. And, you know, it's funny, like, some of the things, like, the biggest game of the year 
the Jazz play San Antonio, Mailman's quote in the Salt Lake Tribune, and thanks to Joe Baird of the Salt Lake Tribune for giving me the access to their archives. Um, and Malone's quoted, like, openly saying it's the biggest game of the year, and Jeff Malone saying the same thing. And then there's a note that the game will start at 8 o'clock to accommodate San Antonio television. So think about that for a second. So that means that for San Antonio to air the game, they had to be at 9 o'clock at night outside of any prime window to be able to get the game on in San Antonio in 1992. Um, You know, the Jazz actually have a bunch of home games that year that aren't even televised, and they had a road game in Miami that wasn't televised. So it's really just an interesting... It's the year the Delta Center opens. It's an interesting time because the NBA still hasn't fully exploded. We're not at the point we are now with oversaturation. The riots happen. Magic gets HIV. Daryl Griffith gets released. Thurl gets traded. The Jazz play the game. It's probably the single most important game in all of franchise history of whether or not they're ever going to hold together to make to the point. If they don't win one of these games, I think they don't hold together. They play the greatest regular season game in franchise history against the Bulls. So it's been one of those things that the more I researched it, the more exciting it got. And then there were even like some stories that I had to drop just because I didn't have time, but they were really interesting. One of which was, if you think back, that's 91. That's when Jordan and Barkley suddenly say, well, we might not play the Olympics if it's sponsored by Reebok, right? We're going to wear the flag over our Reebok logo because we're Nike guys. And if you think back, that's actually a really pivotal moment in kind of the history of player strength and player power. So you think if they lose that, they let Jerry Sloan go, and do you think they would have moved Stockton or Malone? Could the whole Troika have been uh, all broken up and sent in different directions? So they played game five against the Clippers on the backside of the riot, and, you know, they've Sloan's in his fourth year. He's been exited out in the first round of the playoffs in two of the first three. The other time they get blasted by the Blazers. He's got, you know, Stockton's a four- or five-time all-star at that point. Malone's a four- or five. So no doubt how much talent he has. Um, and so if they lose that game five to the Clippers, they're a two seed that loses to a seven seed. They would have gone out in the first round three of the last four years. And then the other one that's hard for us to remember, and frankly, Steve Loom uh, was the one who reminded me of this, Stockton was turning 30. At the time, a six-foot-one point guard turning 30 seemed like he was on his last leg. We didn't realize he had another decade left in him. And so I do think that you look back at that game five first-round game against the Clippers as the most pivotal game in franchise history. I, I don't know what to say on that. And was it was it going to be that way? Was it not? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think that uh, Larry Miller was inclined to make coaching changes. How many coaching changes did he make? Well, he didn't, and we and that's what I think is so interesting about it is that maybe that's the truth, or maybe you know maybe it never got to the point where it had to happen. There were definitely some times later on where it losses into the Rockets and some other first-round losses that it felt like it was a possibility. Right. But there had been a trust that had been built between Sloan and Miller in that time period. From every interview I've done on this show, that trust hadn't been built entirely yet at this point. So they're in their fourth year together, and it's as though this season is the season in which, and I can't remember whether it's Brad Rock or Phil Johnson who mentions it, but I think I think, or maybe it was Steve Loom who really feels that it was interesting to watch that relationship grow and that this, in that season, and maybe that specifically that win against the Clippers and then the 
whitewashing of the Sonics to move to the Western Conference Finals for the first time ever was what allowed for there to be that trust and that relationship develop. But it doesn't feel to me, and I, you know, who knows in retrospect, but reading the articles and doing the interviews, that that trust between Larry and Jerry had been built up yet in 1991-92. Maybe not, but I think that Larry's personality of knowing that this is what I want and this is what I need to go through to get to what I want, and it's not going to be easy. So maybe he didn't have that individual trust in Jerry specifically, but I think he had a trust in how you build an empire, and it is not through making a bunch of changes. It is through going to work every day and having that work ethic and letting nothing get in the way and going about it knowing that there's going to be setbacks. That's that's just my own two-bit psychoanalysis of the situation of what I saw. Of what I, well, I wasn't here at the time, but what I've seen of Larry Miller later on and thinking that he wasn't prone to make a change because he probably had some setbacks in his life as he tried to build his empire of businesses and had to overcome all those things and that would lead him to be inclined to stick with this man which is obviously what he did throughout his entire time as the owner so i think i agree with a hundred percent of what you said and what i've been trying to do is to put using the Stephen Covey line of like viewing the world through other people's lenses, I've been trying to view the world through 1992. And and, and it's hard to do, right? Because you have 2020 kind of the way we view the world now, and you're looking back 30 years later. So the other factors, though, that were in there was that that was the year the Delta Center was built. And it just feels, and, we, and they, the Jazz get the All-Star game announced. And it feels as though there's just, it's amped. Everything's amped up. I mean, the news, there's a lot of criticism in the newspaper articles about the team. Um, you know, or it's not criticism. It's, you know, Steve Loom has a great lead to a story that if the Jazz were to subscribe to a magazine, it's psychology today because this team has multiple personalities. Um, there's all sorts of little blow-ups throughout the season inside the team, which probably aren't a big deal, but they did exist. Um, they there's So it's hard to kind of go back and try to figure out. I think I agree with you 100% on who, who Larry is. Um, I certainly agree with you 100% on who Larry is now that we look back from 2020. What I've tried to do is look at it from 1991 and 92, and I can't tell um, entirely. I mean, Mark's eaten and says in an we haven't aired it yet, but says, you know, Jerry was on the hot seat. Like they, he remembers that is that Jerry was on the hot seat. Um, Phil Johnson does not remember that. He, he says, I never worried about that. The players had our back. If the players were to go and turn on us, then maybe it would have been differently, but the players had our back. So, um, it's interesting. I mean, it's really been fun and interesting. And, you know, frankly, I probably, as I said, kind of tongue in cheek needed it from a mental health, but I probably did just to give me something to do here. Since we spoke to you last, the uh, 12 commissioners had the, uh, the conference call with the president, and then we heard from Adam Silver, everything gets pushed back to uh, May 1st. Are you talking to any NBA people? Are you hearing anything, or is it after that phone call and that announcement by the commissioner, does everything just go to the back burner, and let's just get to May 1st and reevaluate? I think it's the, I think it's the, I think there were a bunch of things there. So I do think that the, the president gave everyone a push, right? It really felt as though that 
that was kind of a message to the sports leagues to go get out there and, and do everything you can. I thought Adam Silver had the appropriate quote that, you know, when we're told, certainly we'll be out there as soon as it's, you know, we're told by the experts that it's, it's safe. We'll be there at the first second we can be. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of money on the line. Like, um, there's a lot of money on the line. So there's about a billion dollars on the line, it sounds like, from everything I've read and people I've talked to. And, you know, the Jazz would like, um, the league, not the Jazz, the league would like to get to 70-plus games played. They'd like to have a playoffs. Um, that will alleviate a lot of problems. The, 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 the most telling quote someone has given me is, if we don't play, there'll be a three-year ripple effect on financial ramifications and salary cap and all of those kind of things across the league. So there's a great interest in being able to play at some point. Yeah, why wouldn't there be? Uh, I came away from that realizing that not I need, need, didn't need to have it brought to my attention. I assumed that all along, of course, they're going to do everything possible to figure out ways to play the games. Hey, by the way, we were like ahead of the game on on baseball. Little did we know we were being innovative last week. Oh, yeah, about getting down into Phoenix. I mean, we'll see yeah. if that can be a possibility. I mean, I guess it's a possibility, but more of it can be a reality. Right. But, yeah, I don't know um, if they can do it entirely, but um, I thought the idea of everybody sitting in the crowd and six feet away from each other um, seemed a little ridiculous, and you pointed out that it would be 120 degrees, so sitting without shade doesn't seem like the greatest idea ever. Um, but, <laughs> you know, they were pushing. I mean, I don't quite understand... If the catcher is next to the batter, why we can't have an umpire also? But I guess we can't. Like, I mean, I didn't quite. Maybe it was just an excuse to be able to use computerized balls and strikes. Bob, yeah, it seems like they want to do that. Yeah, Bob Costas said, if you're going to try anything different, do it this year because this year is going to be really different anyway. So why not experiment with that? Again, this would be the perfect time. Maybe they should go to home run derby instead of extra innings, and maybe they should get rid of batting orders too. Justin Turner, David Locke, on the same wave of thinking. I've been on this for like six years, by the way. Maybe five. What? My Mike Trout experience. I went to go watch Mike Trout because Mike Trout's the best player in the league. I was in Anaheim for an event. And I saw him, and then I didn't get to see him for an hour. I was like, this is really boring. And that was another hour, and he walked. I was like, okay, this sucks. And I was like, they got to change the rules. i got to be able to see the star players more often. I need to see Mike Trout and every If you evening. do that, and then you can pick the champion in uh, December, like you can in basketball. You can pick the champion in the summer. Why play the regular season? Just get to the playoff because you, you know who's going to be in it then. Um, that would be fine if the best players got to the championship every year and the best teams. That'd be good. A little predictable. Um, I don't think predictable has ever hurt the NBA ratings. In fact, the exact opposite has. So from a ratings and a league standpoint, I actually think that's a net. You know, the Lakers, Celtics, Jazz Bulls, Warriors, Cavaliers are the three greatest TV ratings of any series. We all knew they were coming. Well, then just program everything to what's going to get you the maximum TV ratings, and away you go. By definition, yes. We'll leave it there, DJ and PK. David, it's always good to talk to you. Continue with your uh, historical research. 
you'll like this one. This one, this one, this is the one that's coming out today. You'll like this one. This one's good for you guys if you have time. DJ PK with David Locke. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Sam Amick was on the big show yesterday talking about the story behind the scenes with the Utah Jazz during the days that changed everything. He's talking a little bit about what was in that piece. Sam Charnia, Tony Jones, the three of them uh, coming together to work on this piece. So uh, we, we've just been given it. I haven't even been able to read the whole thing yet, PK. I was reading it during the break. Uh, Yacht got it to me uh, while we were talking to David Locke there late in the interview. There is a section on... Uh, the Donovan Mitchell relationship with Rudy Gobert, the Mitchell Gobert dynamic, it's uh, it's headlined. Um, it's a little too long, I think, to read on the radio, but I think a couple things jumped out at me. Um, they talk about how when basketball resumes, uh, the top thing on the list uh, will be Gobert and Mitchell's relationship. They have an anonymous quote. Uh, Nobody's name attached to this. It says, it doesn't appear salvageable, one source with knowledge of the situation said. They have Joe Ingles' quote on the record with his name. Uh, I'm confident our team is going to be totally fine. I heard Donovan's response on GMA or whatever it was to that question. And a part of that is on Donovan and Rudy to sort out if he's frustrated with him or whatever. Uh, Quote goes on a little more. We talked to Joe about that when he was on the air. Um, and then it points out that it looks like there's going to be a couple months here for everything to calm down and cooler heads to prevail. So how will cha- things change during that uh, downtime? Uh, it also goes into what's next for the league. There's so many teams with shorter contracts that are at such a pivotal stage that, you know, that's a question for the Jazz. You know, can the Lakers get back to this with LeBron 36 turning 37? The Clippers, two big guys, are facing free agency. Free agency's bearing down on the Bucks as well, so this is their chance to prove to their guys you want to be here. Or are other stars going to partner up on other teams and, you know, there'll be more movement? Um, It goes into Quinn Snyder and his roots in Seattle, um, how much he was aware of it, just because it, it was hitting in Seattle first and he was hearing from people up there. So a lot of interesting stuff in there. And I think you've got a few screenshots of it there. Any of this jump out at you right away? So I got a 23-year-old who can't get along with uh, his teammates, so that's going to be the end of it. And it's unsalvageable, so we've got to break it up. Is that is that the premise? Is that what we're assuming here? That's the worst-case scenario. I think there's other scenarios out there. I think, uh, you know, predicting the future, especially in human relationships, good luck with that. I think, I think there's a piece of the puzzle here that when the NBA, well, and I think this is true with all the team sports, that there'll be a honeymoon period when you get back because everybody will be happy to get back to the routine. I mean, we just had Joe Ingles on. We replayed it this morning. We had him on late in the show, so no matter what part of the show you listen to, it's online at 1280thezone. Some of you, 1280thezone.com, some of you heard it there. You know, when I ask him what's new and he laughs, you know, nothing's new. They're, if they could get back to basketball, they would. So I think whenever that comes, there ought to be a little bit of a honeymoon period and then, it's so often it comes down to winning. If you win, stuff will work out. And if you don't, whatever irritations there are get bigger. I mean, I think that's the way it usually works. Well, I, I think there's a, there's a bigger issue here because Mitchell's going to be the face of the franchise. And so if he can't get along with Gobert, well, then they're going to have issues there. But I think the Jazz, no matter what happened here with Gobert, uh, whether he gave him the virus or he didn't give him the virus, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 
not that I'm not interested in that. It's not the point that I want to discuss. Uh, the point being the Jazz have a decision. I think they've already made their decision with Mitchell. They'll give him whatever he wants uh, over however many years, the, whatever is allowable. With Gobert, and that's what I wanted to ask Locke, but I didn't get to it because we were discussing 30 years ago, uh, that the Jazz need to figure out what they have in Gobert as the league has changed around them and do they want someone in his position who doesn't have the offensive ability in the way the game is played now do they want to offer someone like that the super max or do they want to go in another direction and get someone who can do has some other skills relative to the way the game is played right now and to me that doesn't have exclusively nothing to do with whether Donovan is mad at Rudy or not. Everything matters. Some things matter more than others. And so Gobert is coming up on the opportunity to get the super max and his game, his personality, how does it fit in with what the Jazz are trying to accomplish? So I'm not necessarily downplaying this beef that they may allegedly have based on one anonymous quote that says it's not salvageable I mean I guess I have to take those guys on their word whoever I have no idea who said that uh, and who is that person is that person Dennis Lindsay <laughs> or is that person some random assistant coach <laughs> you know and they've got I can't even name you all the assistant coaches now the the, the days of Phil Johnson and and Calvin Natt and Gordy Chiesa, they're long gone, <laughs> right? When you knew the, uh, or Ty Corbin, whoever was the other assistant. Now, they got so many of them, I don't even know all their names. So who gave that quote? I don't know. Uh, but depending on who gave it, leads it to how much weight I'm going to attach to, well, this is uh, unsalvageable or not. And so... Even if it's salvageable, suppose it's fine and Joe Ingles is right and it's fine. Everything will be fine. Well, the Jazz still have the decision to make on what they want to do with Gobert when his contract is up. You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't really matter. A hundred percent. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a hundred percent here yeah. because if they have the greatest, let's say there is a honeymoon, Gobert feels bad, and he comes out and plays great, and Donovan plays great, but what if you run up against the wall and you can't kick it down and you can't break through and it becomes clear that you need five three-point shooters on the floor? That's the way the game is exactly. going. And you've got to have that to match up. And so... The, I think the thing that will happen is Rudy will always, for the rest of his career, Rudy will have value. The question is, does sure. he have value to a team that's trying to be or is one of the top four teams in the league? Because I think the risk is the Jazz will say, hey, he's got value, but we got to add this, and we've only got so much money. And I think here's another huge X factor in all of this is that, you know, to Locke's point, there's a billion dollars on the line here. And what if next season is impacted? And how does that impact the cap and the luxury tax going forward? What can they afford to give him and for a team that you know here are the Jazz who've been depending on how you want to score it the last few years team 6, 8, 10 or 12 whatever and they're trying to get to be team 4, 3, 2 or 1 so what do they need to do that meanwhile over here is a team that's been 27 or 23 or 19 and they're just trying to get into the top 16 and get to the playoffs 
He's going to be able to help you do that for sure. So they might come after him. Now the rules, you know, the Jazz with the Supermax be able to offer more, but do they want to commit all that and possibly put a ceiling on how good they can be because now they don't have money for the other parts of the team, whereas one of these other teams is like, we're not worried about getting to a conference final. We're, we're Team 24. We're, we're trying to get to the playoffs. And he can elevate us. He will help us beat all these bad teams. But he may not be able to help you beat a team that's got a seven-foot center or power forward or whatever who can shoot the three and play as the one big, the way Anthony Davis can with the Lakers. And they can surround him with a bunch of 6'6 and 6'9 guys and LeBron. And so now they got some size and some rim protection, but all five guys can shoot threes. And so I think that decision yeah. has got to be made completely separate of whether this other relationship is running hot or running cold or, you know, to my way of thinking, more likely is probably somewhere in the middle with positives and negatives. But regardless of what it is, they've got to figure out the basketball side of it because the game is changing. And I can't remember who it was we had on. I think it was Bowler who was talking about how different is it now versus three years ago when the Jazz beat the Clippers in seven and then lost to the Warriors in the second round. And I think the other thing you got to factor in is not only did it look like the whole West was chasing the Lakers and the Clippers, because when the Clippers are healthy and get it together, the record's really good. Not only is the whole West changing them, but I think we've all got to assume that I don't know how good the Warriors are going to be as they get everybody healthy and they have another year of roster changes, but it seems pretty easy to assume that they're top four good. So if there aren't major changes, it's pretty easy, and we could be surprised, but it's pretty easy to see the Lakers, Clippers, and Warriors. That's a pretty elite big three in the West, and just to be the fourth team, you got to beat everybody else. you got to beat the Rockets. you got to beat out the Nuggets. Uh, Dallas looks like they're on the rise and that they should be getting better. So the competition, as stiff as it's been in the West, is about to get better. We haven't seen the Warriors and the Clippers and Lakers at this level at the same time. And with all that in mind, what do the Jazz need? So over here you got the drama, and I don't want to dismiss how important it could be because it could be. But even if all of that settles itself out, I don't think that answers a question of what do the Jazz want to do with their money in the summer of 2021? Because that's a big, big summer for the league and for the Jazz. Well, that's a way bigger issue than whether Donovan Mitchell likes Rudy Gobert or not. Because if he didn't like him, well, I doubt that the relationship changed in the last month. I think there must have been something there before that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't have any inside sources giving me an anonymous quote. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just... These anonymous quotes, I just, uh, I'm old school when it comes to that stuff. You know, I'm just so, so hesitant. Because as I say, with so many people now associated with the franchise, who, who said it? You know what I mean? And I don't know. Well, how much how much weight do I put in? I go ahead. And opinions are like eh, everybody's got one, and it's like you said, it could be yeah. guy thirteen. Some look better than others, though. <laughs> it's it's guy thirteen <laughs> on the roster, or you know, it's a scout, or it's assistant coach number eight, or whatever. You know, and are they right? Right? Are they right? 
You know, and not only are they right, right. are they right the day they say the quote, but is that going to be true in 60 or 90 days when they come back together again? Or, you know, if it's six months before they come together again because they can't finish the season? I, I really think we're underestimating with any of the drama within any of these teams how happy everybody is going to be to get back when they finally get back. Now, what you do with that honeymoon, yeah, that- you can squander it. Okay, fine. They they get along great, but that doesn't change the issue that they have to face with how much they want to pay Gobert. That's that's the whole point. And I want to make sure, abundantly sure, that abundantly clear, I mean, that I am not disparaging the writers at all. I mean, that's that's not my point to to rip them for what they wrote. That's not what I'm doing here under any circumstances. These are fine journalists whom I trust, and I know one of them. I don't know the other one uh, or the other two, two, whatever it might be. Right. Uh, we know yeah. Tony. But so I'm not – right, and I'm not blasting his integrity. I'm not blasting his reporting. None of that. That's not the point here. That's – I'm not attacking the messenger at all, 100%. So they stand by their work, and I stand by them standing by their work. No problem there. I'm just looking at the the bigger issue here of whether these guys get along or not. Uh, And to me, uh, you know, every team has some form of do we get along or not. And every team has to have – we just talked about – we decided that Locke decided he wanted to discuss 30 years ago, talking about how there were issues then. In the, they're always, every team has them all the time. So, so be it. You know what I mean? That you, you have to acknowledge that, but I don't think you can get caught up in basing your decisions exclusively on that. Unless it, you know, literally is unsalvageable and they refuse to play with each other out on the floor and and that's that's worst case if we get to that point even if you got to that point the team would still have to decide what they want to do because right now they don't have a true big man who can shoot from the perimeter unless you and i realize bogdanovich has the height but i don't think either one of us consider him a true big man no i think well i think what the phrase we're looking for now is rim protector you know, can you block shots? And and that's just not who he is and what he's going to do in any, you know, in any given play he might. Nor is but, it Bradley, nor is it Ed Davis. Right, yeah. It's I just, mean, and, 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 right. and that's not who Bogdanovich is. And the other three, they can't step outside, or at least they haven't. I mean, Ed Davis hasn't at all. I doubt he can. And Bradley doesn't appear to be that way. So it seems to me they need somebody at that position. They addressed it by getting Bogdanovich over favors. Now they need to address it again, most likely, to have somebody who can do those types of things. So this was a decision that they were facing with Gobert. And they're going to continue to face whether we had this virus or not, or these two were besties. (laughs) <laughs> and what do you do there? Suppose suppose they were besties, and you know they're going to try to placate Mitchell as much as possible because he's the face of the franchise. You know he's this young, dynamic uh, African American. Um, the emphasis on American, and he's a wildly talented player, and he's got just all these PR skills that are off the charts. So you're going to build around him. It's clear, right? So what would you do then? 
if Gobert, if they were besties, they would still face this decision. Was this what we want? Where do we want to allocate our money going forward? So that's to me is the much bigger decision whether these two are mad at each other or not. Because as I understand it, unless I'm wrong, haven't both of them recovered from their illness or disease yeah, or virus, I, whatever yeah, you want to call it? That's what we've been yeah. told. Uh, Rudy's put some stuff out on social media, and Donovan was uh, never had any symptoms all the way through it. I think Rudy did have some. Right. But, yeah, they've both been out there now. Um, you know, as far as the whole interpersonal drama and to the point that that always exists, the Locke was talking about in 91, look at the teams I just talked about in the West. We know there's drama with the Clippers because you had a bunch of guys overachieving last year. It was this whole three musketeers, all for one and one for all thing. And then they bring in stars, and, and basically their biggest star is dictating when he plays and when he doesn't. And we've heard stories about how that with that with Kawhi Leonard is irritating the guys who held over her like, hey, what happened to this whole team vibe that we were doing? So they got to negotiate that. We know with the Lakers, it's always LeBron versus the coach. Every coach has to prove himself to LeBron or LeBron will get the coach fired. Now, because the Lakers have the best record in the West, that's all you know been smoothed over because that's what winning does. It fixes a lot of potential potholes. And then with the Warriors, well, we already know Steve Kerr on the video, I'm so tired of Draymond's, you know, bleep. We saw the video and he had to address that. Yeah, of so course. this, this yeah. exists top shelf on every successful team. And you negotiate that, but then at the end of, of the course. day, you got to figure out the talent yeah. piece as well. And the thing, the thing that gets tricky is right. all these teams that have yeah. free agent decisions to make, normally you'd be getting the data and the input from all these results. Well, how many results are you going to get? Maybe you'll get a bunch of them. You know, maybe they'll play early. And then maybe you won't. And you'll just have to figure it out anyway because how you spend your money in the summer of 2021 is going to impact who's holding up the trophy in 22, 23, and 24 and who's in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, yes, yes. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5. Your reaction to all of this coming up, we can get to that. At 9 o'clock, we got Devin Kafusi, former BYU defensive lineman, who's transferring to Utah. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK and Nicole Cyper is joining us from America First Credit Union. Nicole, good morning. Good morning. What's new and exciting in your world, Nicole? Or are you like the rest of us? It's the same old grind. I like the... I'm like the rest of you. I'm social distancing and working from home, so it's a little, it's a little lonely and quiet. So we know different industries are being impacted different ways. Uh, aside from the working from home, what has changed for America First Credit Union? So a few of us are working from home, but um, because we are an essential service, there are a number of our employees who are still having to go into work each day. So. 
you know, we're taking all the precautionary measures on social distancing at work. Um, but again, because we're an essential service, we have to be there to for our members and to be able to help with their financial needs. So it's it's been a challenge, but we're working through that process. Um, and, you know, just grateful for our amazing staff and their willingness to be there for the members. Yeah, you talk about an essential business and being there for your members. I'd imagine America First Credit Union right now for small business owners. You're not just uh, essential seems to be uh, downplaying it. This is something that they absolutely need. And I'd imagine that America First Credit Union certainly is there to help them. Yes, definitely. And as a preferred lender of the Small Business Administration, we have all hands on deck. Um, you know that there are so many businesses out there that are struggling right now, and we have been inundated with calls and applications, and we have so many great and wonderful employees and um, small business um, department that is working so hard to get those applications processed and loans funded. Um, so they are working long, long hours and, again, working to help those small businesses get the money they need to be able to survive. You're talking to two guys who just like to sit down and watch basketball games and football games and figure <laughs> them out. So this uh, whole loan, the, the loan thing, and then the uh, this is all, uh, it confuses us. But the stuff I've read, apparently it is pretty complicated. It is pretty confusing. So for the people who are your members who have business relationships with you, what kind of, where can they get help from you? The, the best thing to do is to call our business services hotline. That number is 801-215-5557 and speak with a representative and discuss what your options are. Um, the other thing is that not only with like loans, the SBA loans, but we offer several other products and services that can aid in cutting costs, managing their cash flow, adapting to current circumstances. So there's lots of things we can help with. We also have trained professional financial counselors that can help during these difficult times. Just someone to bounce ideas off of and just speak with to help get a plan in place to help you get through this time, to get on the other side of it, and then start to, to rebuild and recover. So what I'm getting from you, Nicole, is an essential business that allows you to be in your specific offices, which obviously you'll take care of all the precautions that need to be if I needed to come in, but I can also reach you through the phone. So basically, America First Credit Union has the ability to operate at still full capability, right? Yes, of course. And, you know, not only, you know, we do have... We have closed down some of our branches, but um, and that complete list of um, open branches is on our website, AmericaFirst.com. But in addition to our branches being open and drive-throughs, we've got um, our online banking and our mobile banking um, remote deposit. We have um, our ATM network that they can access um, cash is accessible to them, and they can withdraw at any time. Um, so all of these things are available to our members. Um, so, yes, we are open. We're functioning not just in the branches, but through our um, mobile services as well. So, Nicole, we got to break away from the America First Credit Union talk for a second. We heard the dog in the background, and PK's, <laughs> PK loves dogs. What kind of dog do you have? She is a Morky, and she was staring out the window barking at people walking down the street. <laughs> how, how big She's is just a little tiny dog. Oh, okay. She's maybe... Six seven pounds, so she's a she's a small dog, and yeah, she's staring out the window, wishing she was walking down the street. 
Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, that's fine. I mean, she may be a small dog, but as we know in the credit union business, America First is a big dog. Is that not true? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, we, we have a large footprint that we're there to serve our members, so we're happy to do it. We're here for them, and I think that's the biggest thing we want to tell our members right now is that we're here to help. Whatever their situation is or their circumstance, um, we're here to help them through this difficult time. Uh, the truth is, in the world of sports, you, I mean, America First, you guys, you, our radio station, um, I've seen you uh, signage inside arenas and stadiums. Uh, you sponsor the high school football coverage on Channel 2. You, you're a huge part of making that happen. And I'm probably leaving stuff out. Why have you embraced sports so com- completely? Because clearly, America First has. You know, it's an opportunity for us to to support our, our local businesses and our community where so many people gather to support, um, you know, whether it's the Utah Jazz or whether it's RSL or high school football. Um, so many people in the state get on board and support that. And again, it's an opportunity for us to be involved, for us to be in front um, of our members. But again, just the biggest thing is to support the community and to support and be a good business partner. So for, uh, for people who need to get a hold of you, and I, I guess we talked a little bit about what you're doing for the people who are members, and if someone wants to be a new member and branch out, so to speak, uh, what would they do? You can go to AmericaFirst.com. You can apply for membership online, um, and it will, there's, you, know, you have to qualify to be a member of a credit union. And um, all the requirements, um, you can see if you qualify to be a member. And again, just you can do it all online. And um, it's really simple, really easy. But again, we're here for you. We have financial counselors. We want to be able to help and support. So reach out to us, whether that's online or by phone. Or if you need to come into a branch, we can, we can assist that way as well. Nicole, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks so much. You guys stay safe. All right. Take your dog for a walk sometime today, okay? I will, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. Nicole Cypers joining us from America First Credit Union. DJ and PK coming up next. Devin Kafusi. Stay with us.